You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tess Fregara, Soul Powered Executive Coach, and you can find out more about my work and about this podcast at soulpoweredleaders.com. So this show, Soul Power to the People podcast, has been highlighting any and all crimes against humanity, intended or unintended, self-inflicted or others inflicted. And today I have with me Crystal Holm, whose own mother knowingly married a pedophile when she was nine. And so I have so many questions for her and really I'm I'm very interested in how she survived that and how she was able to turn around her life to reclaim it so that she can live it with fun and enjoyment and exactly how she is meant to live her life. This is Soul Power to the People podcast. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Hi, Tess. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah. So when you raised your hand in a group, private group, that your mother knowingly married a pedophile when you were nine, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my God. So our topic today is uh, saints and sinners, but before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, <laughs> I never know where to start. With that I know, question. right? <laughs> then I throw you off. <laughs> there's always like, a, hmm, okay, well, where should I start? Um, yeah, let's start from the, from the lights. <laughs> from the light? The light side of things. Um, well, so I am a feng shui designer and a clutter expert, and I work with soul-driven entrepreneurs really to help them declutter and design a workspace that empowers them really to create a life and business that they want. Mm. Mm. That sounds really yummy. And what possessed you that day to raise your hand and say, hey, Tess, I want to talk about my mom? Well, you know, I think it is so important to talk about these things that have been so normalized, at least at least in, in like, it feels like my generation, like things were so normalized that Our whole society has just gone completely off track, like in this crazy weird times that we are living in right now with the things that we are making normal. And especially the things like you mentioned, you know, you listed off all of those things. And then you, the one of the last things you mentioned was this, you know, this sexualizing of of children um Mm -hmm. this indoctrination that's happening even in schools now and and i think you know i think that that is part of it right it 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 starts so it starts so young but it started so long ago right Mm -hmm. this is not new this Mm -hmm. has been building and building and 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 building you know and and we've we have evidence that shows that oftentimes children who are sexually mistreated, sexually abused, sexually assaulted, grow up and become abusers. And that is, that is what's happening right now. I'm not going to say, you know, that specific people have any type of history, but we have like this mass societal history that is now about or or almost going back to right this that sexualizing children is okay you know a few hundred uh-huh. years ago we married off 9 year olds well i was 9 
and and that's kind of what happened to me right it was like a like a payoff wow um so many things come to mind when you say that so you were the payment that's sort of how it feels yeah that that mm -hmm. is really how it feels you know back then it 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 just felt like i wasn't believed or like nobody cared or nobody listened or like there were so many things back then but you know from from this place being able to stand here as an adult and and look back and 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 yeah i i that's really how it feels um to me mm -hmm. so at nine years old i can't even imagine you know uh when your innocence is taken away from you and then when you feel like you are the payoff that is such an assault to the soul such disrespect and insult how did you cope with that or how, what was your childhood like would you say that you were happy or you were miserable or were you beaten constantly how how did you survive that and how how did you stay in one piece oh that was a lot of questions all wrapped into one um, yes uh, well i think partly i'm the oldest and i think that was a part of it right that there i had this fighter thing and and really i feel like the abuses started before then right they started younger than that so it was almost like a almost like a training and a conditioning even from a younger version to be a fighter and i, I don't think that was what what my mother intended but that was what ended up happening. I think partly it was just my personality. Like I was just um, a, a, a fighter. And so I had that, right, going for me. I had my, my father also remarried at the same time. My parents got divorced when I was about eight. Okay. And, and they both remarried about the time I was nine um my dad remarried a witch actually um and so she taught me about magic um she taught me at, about, at that age at that yeah. at nine wow yeah she taught me about palm reading right which was super fascinating to me she taught me the the introductory pieces to astrology um right and so i had this interest in those things and also an an understanding or a belief that i could change my life <laughs> i could change young things. age wow i could change things if i was just powerful enough mm. right i could change them magically not like turn you into a toad but I, I i knew that i i just didn't know how but mm -hmm. it did begin the journey of trying to learn how at, at at that young of an age i really didn't think there was any other way out right like it was gonna take a miracle i did tell my father of course about the the um what was going on um I, I told my mother about it my mother told first of all she told me to stop lying then she took me to a psychiatrist and told him that the problem is i'm a liar and i won't stop lying so every time i tried to tell him about the abuse he would just come back with stop lying and the same thing happened when i my father believed me and so he went for custody of us, me and my sisters. And so all of these other people got involved, all of these legal people that got involved, social services got involved. And she managed to convince them that I was a liar. 
Um, and she covered up all sorts of evidence about it. For years, she covered up evidence about it and just convinced everyone that, that I was lying. And eventually I just sort of stopped telling people, right? I stopped, I, I didn't stop fighting at home and it just came, it just became this, well, Crystal just hates us, you know? And that was all, there was no reason was ever given. If you ever asked like, why? I don't know, it's, just, it's a mystery. My hatred is a mystery. And so I was just always, she's just an angry girl, just an angry teenager, just an angry, you know, whatever that it was always like, it was my fault, <laughs> but there was no reason for it. And, and so, I mean, eventually I, I was old enough to move out and like, mm -hmm. that was sort of almost the end, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it wasn't, I got out for a few years. I was able to live with my father and, and my stepmom. And so learn more and more and more, right. Which sort of actually began a lifelong study of that energy and, and manifestation and the law of attraction and really how to, how to create a life that I, I wanted. <laughs> mm -hmm. just, I don't want to say I was a slow learner because I'm not a slow learner, <laughs> It just was a lifetime of learning, right? I had a lot oh, of definitely. unlearning and a lot of overcoming to even get to that part of putting all the puzzle pieces together and understanding how how that all worked. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm sitting here with jealousy. Oh my God, you know about magic and all that when you were nine. I knew nothing. <laughs> um yeah, I, I knew nothing. I'm just learning that now, you know, mysticism and astrology and all that. So that that's really great. So talk to me about sinners and saints. Why is that the subject of our show today? Well, the funny thing is <laughs> my mother who has spent, she's still married um, to, to my stepfather. Um, she has spent almost 43 years pretending that she's a saint, um, pretending that she is such a good Christian woman. And yet behind the scenes, she is a monster, right? She's a narcissist. She's a sociopath. Um, and she's married to a pedophile. Uh, on the other hand, my stepmother um, and my father, right? My stepmother is a witch who most people <laughs> would categorize as the bad guy, right? The, right. the, the sinner. The so my stepmom, right? The, a witch who most people would categorize as the bad guy or the sinner was in fact my salvation. She was, uh, she was the person who taught me how to save myself how to heal from all of the injury, right? That, that, that came from that, right? Not only the, the being silenced, but of course there was a lot of hatred and a lot of anger there. That wasn't a lie. Um, you know, I fought back a lot. And so I was constantly in the battle of, well, I hate you and you're not my real dad. And and the feeling was mutual. Like I was constantly told how hated I was and how much they would like to throw me away and get rid of me as long as it wasn't to my dad's house or to anywhere that I wanted to go. Um, you know, it was just, I was an obligation that was super, super clear. I was not wanted. I was not loved. I was not appreciated in any way. Like I was and I was told that on a regular basis. On the other hand, right, I only had, I had this one person that was building me up over and teaching me like empowerment for, that was what she was teaching me, the rudimentary beginnings of it. And um, to me, she was, a, she was a saint. She was what embodies sainthood um you you can't you, you can't just 
be a self-proclaimed saint. <laughs> I guess you can't proclaim yourself <laughs> a saint. And the people that do tend to be the worst people. And usually the people that have it the hardest uh, really tend, tend to often become the ones that are, are most worthy of that sort of title, that have gone through hell and back to, to come out the other side and then help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, that was, I think that's sort of the whole that's, story. That's, that's amazing. Well, you were telling me yesterday about um, something. Do, do you remember the story you were telling me about your brother? Or was that your half-brother? Oh, yeah. My, so my parents are super religious. And a lot of their abuse centered around, uh, around religion and around sexuality and, and a lot of really, it was all sort of very much woven in together. And so one of the things that I you know, remember is that they had my brother, and this happened more than once actually, come to the dinner table naked we were all seated and they made him come to the table naked and stand there while we all like read took turns reading the bible and and they shamed him essentially for for being male um and there was a lot of like reading the bible intertwined in there and and so it was just a it yeah it was a very icky household to grow up in and as I got older right because this was as I as I got older nothing really changed but I feel like none of my friends would come and stay at my house like they just wouldn't like I would invite the people over I would invite friends over for slumber parties and they would always want to go home like you could just, I think you could just feel it in, mm-hmm. in the house, like that. I don't really think any, anybody, any of my friend, any of my siblings really had too many people stay over. It was just a very, like, you could just feel it. Like it's in the energy of the house, which, you know, that's what I do as an adult. Is, <laughs> I was well, just thinking that no wonder you're a feng shui healer yeah I mean you can you can feel what people are like in the energy of their space I mean I'm sure you've walked into somebody's house somebody like maybe somebody that you didn't know or you didn't know well or you know that you went somewhere with a friend to someone else's house and walked uh-huh. in and you just were like like I'm pretty sure this person is a serial killer and you just can't wait to get out you know I think I really feel like that's probably what my house felt like to other people coming in right like I was obviously so numb to it but here's what's really funny is as a kid I was um I, I, I rearranged my room a lot (laughs) <laughs> like I would move my furniture around in my room a lot. Um, and I would spend a lot of time playing with my Barbie dream house and just rearranging her for her, the furniture in, in that room a lot. Was that something you read or no, something intuitive? I, I, I think it was just something intuitive. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, okay, so that's that lead us there now. So how old were you when you got out of that yucky situation? Well, um, I, I did, like I said, I did move in with my father for a few years. So I was out of there for a little bit in high school, but officially I got out at the end of high school. I actually moved out the day after I graduated from high school. Uh, but even before I turned 18, I, I was out and gone um, as uh-huh. quickly as possible. Uh, I got my own place and like started life as an adult. Um, wow. So you didn't have um, 
any addiction to alcohol, drugs, nothing like that? Um, no, no. I mean, I experimented and stuff in high school uh, and my my parents really love to hospitalize their children at any opportunity. They like to put the blame on, right? Like I said, on us. So I was in um, a drug treatment center for a bit and they sent me home. <laughs> Actually, they were like, yeah, this girl doesn't have a problem to send her home. Um, and so, no, I didn't surprisingly enough. I was pregnant with my first child and uh, yeah, no, I moved out, had a job and was just on with my life. Let's go. I was, I was ready. I decided at eight, right. When I, when my mother was dating this person and, and I, I pretty much gave her an ultimatum, like it's him or me. And when she chose him, I kind of decided I was an adult that day. I was like, I'm never going to be anything like you. I don't, I don't need you to be my mother. I will be my own mother and I will be my own person. And so I was super, super ready to just be an adult and, and mm. not have anybody making up rules for me, telling me where I had to be and when, uh, telling me what I had to do, how I had to do it, um, everything, um, how I had to spend my money, like, my parents were incredibly controlling around everything. And if you didn't do it the way they thought, they, yeah, you were just shamed for trying to do something that they did not approve of. Okay, so how did that cloud of shame and judgment, rejection, betrayal, did that follow you around? Um, tell me experiences about that. Well, it, it did. Um, I didn't, I didn't always feel good enough or, or, you know, like I was capable of doing the thing, right. Whatever the thing was, right. That I might want, you know, I wanted my own business. Um, I've always wanted to have my own business. Um, I've always had a very strong desire for autonomy <laughs> and, and getting to make up my own rules. So I've always wanted to have my own business. I've tried numerous times, right. To, to figure out that one. But I don't know that I ever really believed in myself, right? Like my first couple businesses were MLMs. So it was a product, which I really super believed in the product. But those businesses are about building a team and, and creating other people around you that also believe in what you believe in. And that I didn't, I didn't believe. You know, I, I didn't have that belief in myself. So I really was, I, I really was limited, but it was very, very deeply held, right? In, in what uh -huh. I thought about myself, you know? Um, I, I was really lucky. The, the second business that I tried, the second MLM that I tried, um, the, the person who started that company, the owner of that company really, really believed in training and personal development. And so even from a young age, I was kind of introduced to that world. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think I would be where I am, you know, now without that, because it took me a bit. I went, I, I went, I was in several abusive relationships, you know, before, uh, before getting out of that. And then, you know, but finally sort of getting onto this path, right? I, I had been looking for mentorship, right? Since I was eight, right? When I decided, well, I'm not going to be like you. So now who am I going to be like? I had my stepmother and then, your stepmother. Mm -hmm. and then she passed away when I was 15. So then I was, you know, sort of on the lookout oh. for my next mentor. Mm. And um, I was very fortunate in finding that, you know, in this, person who taught me the first beginnings of business, right? How to do business, how to build a team, how to do sales, how to do all these things. And, you know, the personal development work was woven in there. And so mm -hmm. I really was sort of introduced to that path, um, which then 
I really dove deeply into when I found like that and really that was really my my way towards healing yeah so if I am following you uh correctly one you made a decision I live my own life I control my own life I you know you 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 disconnected um well that's the decision right we we cut away from what no longer works and we make something new so that's amazing and then you looked for a mentor and then uh personal development and how did you end up in feng shui from mlm to feng shui well i um i went to school a couple times you know trying to sort of find what it was that i wanted to do you know figuring out my path um, and, and of course, oh, wait, and then you, you had a child too, right? I had two. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. Yep. So I had, I had two. And then eventually I, 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 I sort of hit rock bottom and I was trying to figure out what, what to do with my life. Like I was, um, I had that business had failed not just me like as an MLM person but the whole company went under <laughs> the whole MLM company went out of business and so I was just sort of like now what like now mm. what do I do um and in trying to figure out that I actually was sitting on the sofa for months just watching tv trying to figure out what to do debating about going to school to become a forensic psychologist. I really wanted to study how people's thoughts work, like sociopaths and, and psychopaths and how, how, how your brain works and how, how we think. And, and, and I really wanted to understand that, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't called. Like I just, and the whole time I was sitting there watching TV, it was, I'm going to date myself here, but it was back when trading spaces was the thing to watch. And I would sit all day and just watch trading spaces on TV. And I was like, you know what? I, I've loved interior design since I was little. Like I was always re, you know, rearranging my room. I was always playing with my Barbie dream house when I got older and it was like, let's paint. I want to paint my room. My girlfriends want to paint right? My, my friends want my help with putting their spaces together. And I, it finally clicked one day and I decided to go to school to become an interior designer. And so it was when I was in, when I was in design school, um, just like any other college student, I had to take all of the gen eds. And so in my psychology class, we were given the assignment to write our psychology piper based on something related to our field of study. Hmm. And so, and we could only, only one person could pick any given topic. And so I, feng shui had been popular in the United States for about five or six years back then. Um, and I had heard about it, but I didn't know about it. Like I knew it had to do with energy, but I didn't, and I knew it had to do with your space, but I didn't know like the details. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write my paper on that. Right. I love studying the flow of energy and magic and sort of how that works. And this kind of sounds like the same thing. And, and of course, interior design, it's all about your home. So that'll work. So I wrote my paper on feng shui thinking that I could just write this one, like figure it all out in one semester of school right or one quarter of school right oh boy was I wrong you, um, you got hooked <laughs> yes I did I I you know I was a perfectionist not a big surprise mm. there and so I was like a very type a personality I was like I'm gonna get an a on this paper you know I went to the library I checked out every single book they had on feng shui I swear I had a two foot tall stack of books that I just carried home with me you know, to, and I read them all. And there was, this one said this thing and this one said the exact opposite. And every one of them had something different to say. And I was like, I don't get it. 
I, I don't understand it. This, every single book says something different. It's so confusing. I, and, and so I wrote this paper and, and I got an A, but I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how it works. I understand the psychology of it, which was the mm -hmm. purpose of the paper, right? And right. so I understood the psychology of the flow of energy in our space, right? But I didn't quite understand what the books were teaching me about how to manipulate that flow of energy to make an influence on like my results, right? I didn't understand the the magic of it. Like, how do I use it as a tool to, to change things? If that's the purpose of feng shui, like how does it really work? And so I was still in school. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have time. You know, I couldn't like turn left and just to dedicate my life to it. So I finished school, but I did keep trying to figure it out. I read more books, you know, I studied feng shui more. I dove into it deeper. And um, eventually, as I moved forward in my career a bit, a few years down the road, I had, uh, I had moved overseas. And so I was working with a lot of international clients. And I had, I had actually just started at this, at this design firm. And they had submitted finished designs to a client um, for approval. These clients happened to be in China <laughs> and they knew about feng shui and they sent the designs back that they could not accept them because the feng shui was all wrong. And so my boss pulled together the whole team and was like, can anybody help? And I was brand new and like nobody, nobody said a word. And, and so I was the only person to like volunteer and, and raise my hand and say, well, I know about feng shui, I can help. And she dumped the entire multi-million dollar project in my lap and said, okay, fix it. And moved on. Like, I just, you know, it's literally, you know, my first week on the job and this was just dumped. And, and yeah, imposter syndrome, <laughs> let me tell you know because I'm like oh no like what if the client knows more what if they teach feng shui classes in school in China from elementary school all the like all the thoughts went through my head I had you know no idea like they might be experts at this I don't know how much they know but I knew that I still didn't always know what was right and what was wrong and and what was going on but I really fell in love with this process of, of putting it all together, the energetic alignment of the space and the aesthetics, you know, and, and, and making it beautiful and making the feng shui completely hidden in plain sight. Mm, I like that. Which is how it's supposed to be. Um, and so I really fell in love with that process. And I was like, okay, I, I really need to, I need to learn. I need to know more because I don't, I didn't like the not knowing and the not understanding what was the difference. So I really dove into understanding it more. And I found a school that taught traditional feng shui and then started obviously learning about all of these other fake feng shui schools and all of the stuff that's out there that I mean that's that's what they are they they're essentially just fake feng shui schools they call themselves feng shui and they have some similar principles but they're not based on the traditional principles of feng shui that are thousands of years old and so I started mm -hmm. like really understanding those things and was like I now I get it now I really love it and now I really want to, to dive into this and, and do it more. I want to mm -hmm. apply it and I want to, and I applied it to me. And I was like, oh, I got to, like, I need guinea pigs, you know, like, who can I help? And I was, I was on my own healing journey. I was in a, a, a small-ish 
large-ish, depending on your perspective, group of women um, on a, in a year-long like coaching program. We were all working together. Um, and so I, I, I asked if, if I could, I would, I would help them with their, like the feng shui of their home. And they lived all over the world. So I was like, I want to try to figure out how I can do this like long distance and make this happen. And how do I, so I offered to work with them and yeah, like half of them said, yep. And then that was that we went from there. Like it just took off. And talk to me about the connection between feng shui and healing. Let's say you mentioned some abusive relationship and, you know, your own relationships and also your, your caretakers. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a bridge? Is that a door to healing or can you connect yeah. feng shui and healing traumatic experiences? Yes, yes, because for me, how that sort of came about was, right, I had all of this abuse, and I reached this point where I was just, like, miserably, miserably unhappy, right, and as I was sitting there on that sofa, like, how am I, how am I going to do something different with my life? When I was little, I had all these dreams and all these visions of what I wanted my life to look like when I was a grown up, and 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 I never, and it wasn't happening. And so, as that business failed, and and a couple of those those person, the more personal development programs were no longer available. Right about the same time that I I had this opportunity to take this first feng shui client. I also had this opportunity and started doing more of this personal development work, going to these very experiential kind of workshops and seminars and stuff. And I was working through so much of my childhood trauma, right? Traditional therapy didn't feel safe to me because I'd had a traumatic, such a traumatic experience with that at such a young age. Especially Um, they didn't listen to you also. Right. And turned it back on me. Right. That was so traumatizing Mm -hmm. for me to, to not, not only not be heard, but to be literally told to shut up. Like I remember Mm -hmm. him comparing me to a wild horse that has been caught and is now in the corral, staring off at the mountains, starving to death while all the other horses are happy. And if I would just except being broken to the saddle like I would be happy too. like like I remember him telling me this stuff and I was just like you are not listening to me you are not getting it and so going through all of that being able to almost learn how to talk again right it was almost it was almost that same experience like I'm, I'm watching my granddaughter learn how to talk right now and I'm like it's very, it was very similar. Like my first one of those sort of personal development programs I went to, I, I could only scream. I could not articulate words around what my, my trauma, I could only scream. But when I got to the point where I was working with clients, right? I was, we were in a, a personal development group, right? We were in a coaching program to help us heal our relationships with men to find love again and to have healthy healthy romantic relationships um and as i first started working with them because this methodology that i was going into was so different right they were all over the world so they were just meeting with me face to face like you and i are and we would be talking about their clutter right because i was trying to help them feng shui their place so that they could find love again. And so we'd be talking about the flow of energy in their space. We'd be talking about what do we need to do to this space? We need to, you know, this is what they wanted, okay? And so I'm like, okay, so we need to declutter this and this and this and this and this, right? And then they would tell me all of the reasons why they couldn't declutter that thing. And I, and it was like, 
a, a, a master class in psychology, right? I studied feng shui in my psychology class and I understood there was psychology to this and this flow of energy thing. But the one thing we never talked about in any of my feng shui classes was clutter. Briefly, right? Clutter stagnates the energy. Boom, end of sentence, that's it. When I was working with these clients and we were talking about this clutter all the time, every one of them got stuck in the same place. And every one of them would come at me with the same story or you know, different versions of the same story that all came down to the same stuff. And so I started really diving into this, what little bit I could find on clutter, right? Clutter clearing, you know, or clutter cleansing or stuff like that. There wasn't a lot of books about it back then. And what I could more in the psychology of it. And I was also in this on my own healing journey. And, and I started really understanding this, how our clutter really is a reflection of all of these things that we think and believe and are taught about ourselves. All of this, all of our scarcity beliefs, all of our worthiness beliefs, all of our mm -hmm. obligation beliefs. And all of it was being pulled out and put in at the same time, right? It was like this knowledge was coming from everywhere. I think it was just a universal gift, right? I just a gift from the universe of understanding this. Oh, okay. This is, this is the clutter and this is understanding really what it's saying, right? Listening to them. And, and, um, and then eventually I, as about the time things were starting to take off, I was living overseas and I had all these clients all over the world. And my biggest struggle was the time difference between everywhere and me. And so I actually moved back to the mainland, right? My business was taking off. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make trade-offs, right? To, to, for, for what I want. And so I moved and I wasn't quite there, right? So I was still working full-time and, um, and, and still part-time in my business. And, and I got hurt at my job. Um, I got hurt quite badly. I was put on bed rest. I couldn't walk. Um, and I was stuck, right? I was stuck on bed rest for about three years. And about a year and a half into it, right, I'm trying to get this business going and I'm trying to, you know, I can, my body is getting worse and I, I really couldn't walk anymore. Uh, and I had, a, I had hired a business coach really to help me with this business and, and figure out what, what to do next, right? Because I had finished with all of those initial clients and I was like, now what? oh, well, now what? <laughs> so I hired this business coach to sort of teach me what to do. And um, I was a year and a half in and I wasn't getting anywhere. And, and actually she had invited me to do this 30-day challenge of doing Facebook Lives, right? To just to, like as a freebie to help people. And so I was like, all right, I have to declutter, right? It had been a year and a half since I had been really able to move. I, I hadn't really been able to do much of anything for myself, cooking, cleaning, um, nothing like no decluttering, which I am ritualistic about it. You know, I declutter three times a year, every year since I was 17 or younger, right? Just, uh, and so I was super stuck and super cluttered up. And so I was like, well, I'll do this 30 day decluttering challenge. It was in May. And so the timing was perfect. But as I was decluttering and I was teaching, right? I was teaching everything that I had learned from working with all of those 
like 30 women, right? <laughs> and, and I was doing, right? Stuff that I had, I'd never been like cluttered up before. I'd never had this happen. Um, and so at the end of this whole thing, I, literally, I learned, not only learned so much, I taught, I learned myself so much, even just about applying what I knew to my own life, right? I could literally feel the difference in my space, but yeah. it gave me that room to shift energetically in my space mm -hmm. and in my thoughts and in my physical body as well, right? right. Moving all of it. Um, yeah, and you I went really from intellectualizing, understanding it to actually implementing it and applying it and having the experience of that release and healing mm -hmm. yourself. And I, I hadn't, right. And I had, I had been taking women through it. Mm -hmm. I had been coaching them through it. Um, very almost intuitively, like taking what I knew and just, and then taking what they were telling me and just, and then of course going and studying. right, And then, and then so I could come back to them the next, week for our next coaching session and and talking to them about what I had read about the clutter and what what could I teach them about you know everything I could possibly find about clutter and feng shui and and all of it and um and it really did become yeah teaching them and learning from them this was like the graduation ceremony for sure of my of my masterclass, but applying it to me, yes, very much so, was like this knowledge embodiment, right? Became mm -hmm. a new, but it changed Become, how I worked with people yeah. going forward too. How so? Um, because now we, I started getting more intentional about not just being intentional about looking for the clutter and being intentional about the listening to it, right? Mm -hmm. I had spent so much time listening to them, right? And learning from them about their clutter that now it was like, let's, I want to talk about it. Let's dive into it. Let's, let's get into the meat of it. Cause this is where the good stuff is. This is where the magic happens. This is where we make changes, like before we even start applying feng shui, this is where the magic happens. And so I started really owning something that I didn't want to own up until then, which is our clutter is our trauma. Our clutter is our limiting beliefs. I never wanted to be, I didn't want to be the Marie Kondo. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want to be the queen of clutter because I didn't want to own my own trauma up until that point. And it was even a few years until I could even openly talk about my mother married a pedophile, right? It still okay. took me a few years to, you know, keep working through, tell your story, tell your story, tell your story. And, but that clearing of the clutter and the constant refining of that craft is what has helped me to be able to not only connect the dots more cl clearly to understand how much our clutter is just a reflection of our mental and emotional clutter, but it's been my own healing journey of, right, taking it into not just everything I learned at all these experiential workshops, but understanding that, oh my gosh, I can recreate that in my own home every single day because I have this mirror that is right, like on time, like it is, it is to the moment, right? This is live and, and it changes every day as I exist in my space. And right. so wow. it's, it's a mirror. It's an accurate reflection of what's going on in this moment. Um, and so using our space is as an experience right becomes its own healing journey but I had mm. to like go on it right I had to like learn it and go on it and and to be able to really 
understand it and, and be able to then turn it around and, and say, oh, okay, now I understand how to teach this, not just this accidental learning of what's yours, but now I can actually teach it as a tool to other people to say, mm -hmm. oh, here, here's how you can listen to your clutter and use it as a tool when you get stuck in your business, when you get stuck in your life. And, and even when we get all the feng shui right, you still live there, right? One of my first jobs, um, I shouldn't say one of, my first job <laughs> out of design school was designing model homes, right? Mm. Nobody lives in those. You design them and then they stay perfect until all of the rest of the units are sold. And then they sell the models last and then people can move in and start rearranging things and moving things. If it's not glued down <laughs> or to each other. Right. But your home is not like that. Mm -hmm. You live there. And yeah. so every clutter day, every day, yeah, every day it changes every day. The energy shifts because it is a reflection of you. And so, yeah, it really, it changed the way I work with clients. It changed, yeah. And, and I really realized how much of, and then I also understood why it took me so long to not want to just own my own like expertise at it and like move over Marie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because now I understand what our clutter really does have to say and, mm -hmm. and how powerful it is as a tool for us to, to be able to use. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I feel like, you know, giving you a tour of this house. Hey, what can I improve here? <laughs> <laughs> I just moved in here uh, with my boyfriend. Um, Thanksgiving of last year hmm. and uh, yeah there's I don't want to you know completely change it and he has his own process and and you know we've all got our past and baggages and I'm like okay if I'm still around in spring we're we're going to rent a dumpster because uh the the clutter is unbelievable and and that it's not to put him down or anything in, in front of my audience no. here. No, everybody it's, has it's, It really is uh, what you're saying, and I hope he doesn't hear this. But if he does, I mean, maybe it'll it'll trigger uh, some action here. Um, but I've got my own space here, which is mine. Um, the rest of the house is, you know, with the, with his uh, the failed marriage and uh, struggles with his own children the way I also had struggles with my children but at some point uh, we got to let go of those struggles and mm -hmm. the this empowering meaning uh, the past has over us kind of like what you know you all had to own your yeah. own story with your mother and, mm -hmm. and rise above it because the, the past doesn't define us right at it, all. right it I mean it helped me I developed my whole method of, like I said, how I, how I work with clients. I have a whole framework around decluttering and, and being able to do it so that it, it takes you through all five steps to be able to, to, to use it as a tool because yes. And he, he has stuck, very stuck clutter. And mm -hmm. it, once it's stuck, it's so hard to get it moving again because mm -hmm. the clutter it's a reflection of of where we're stuck internally right mentally and physically mm -hmm. but when we get stuck energetically when it's reflected in our space it it acts even like an anchor to keep itself stuck right it's very very sticky so it ends up in this cycle of being more stuck right the more clutter you have the more stuck you get and the harder it gets to get unstuck and so you end up in this never-ending cycle so you really have to go through this process mm -hmm. the the right way because if you if you if you don't even if you manage to you know to take a bulldozer through and declutter everything 
within a matter of months, maybe even weeks, he'll have it all back and more. Mm-hmm. Oh God, no! Just, just like if you've ever <laughs> not if I have anything to say about it, but but, but I do understand why. that. Yeah, but, but mm-hmm. that's why you have to do it the right way because it's very much in a very similar way to like um, if you if you go on a diet and you lose weight, right? You lose ten pounds, and then at the end of your diet, oh, I lost the ten pounds, and you stop. Now you gain back twenty pounds, right? Because mm-hmm. what you did was an actual you didn't really lose this 10 pounds you did this sort of abuse of your body to get to a certain weight and then now your body has to recover the same thing is true if you go through this process of decluttering without going through all five steps it's this it's oh you, well you have five steps give me the five steps i do <laughs> you've I been actually, holding up um, well, I actually have them. I like to give it as a free gift to the audience. Oh, so yes, yes. everybody can download it for free at declutteryourmindset.com because it will take you through all five of these steps so that you can um, not end up repeating that pattern, right? When you, when you go through like with the bulldozer and just get rid of everything, it's it's like a, it's a violation. I I was actually just having this conversation this morning. It's, it's like a, it's like a rape, right? Being assaulted that way and having someone take your things, right? It, it's one of the reasons. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's a violation. And so, Mm -hmm. and we do it to ourselves, right? In when people come in and say, we have to declutter, right? And so we, we just do clutter, donate right here's my clutter let me get rid of it and we skip over these steps in between which is like you say which is where all that magic happens of of releasing the mental and the emotional part of it so that we can not gain back the 20 pounds after we do the release at the you know the getting rid of at the end and so yes I'm going to sign up and I'm going to have him sign up too, or at least I'll share with him because it he's, he's very agreeable to it, but I feel like I need to push and I don't want to push. I'm not his coach. You know what I mean? So, so I'm really treading very gently on the change. And if it's not the change he wants to see, then we may have to move to another place, you know, cause I don't want to have to deal with his baggage, you know, it, it sounds very selfish, but you know how it is when you want to. Well, you have to protect be. your you own. Have, space. You do have yeah. to be because the thing is, when you live with someone, their clutter in your space, right? All of the common areas, right? Yes, you have an office space to go work in. And that frees up your business to. Oh, it's, it's all in the basement, the clutter. But, yeah. But, and see, and that's, yeah, that's not a surprise. And, and I wanted us to dance floor. <laughs> but clutter in the basement is, is always about the past, but it's an anchor that keeps yes. us very stuck from being able to move forward. And so, yes, it, and it's very hard. It will keep you stuck from moving forward too, even though it's not your clutter. Yes. It yeah. makes, it will make, lifting your business that much harder because yeah, yeah. there's because a stagnation there's a heavy density like yes. you said it's looming in the air and it's no and fault of his no uh, um, i just want to be clear i'm not putting my boyfriend down no but this is how we clear energy and mm-hmm. and have that creative flow flowing right. in our own bodies in our own space yeah because the same will be true for platonic roommate relationships as well. Your clutter, your it's moving in together, living with oh, other really? people. Yes. Now, when you have romantic stuff involved, obviously there's much deeper connections and there's a lot more stuff involved. But yes, mm-hmm. even platonic roommate relationships, when you move in with someone else, you have to think of it like a marriage from an energetic perspective because mm-hmm. all of their baggage and it is mm-hmm. baggage 
right? All of their energetic baggage is cluttering up the space, right? Especially if you have, you know, like shared common areas, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to have stuff there. there. And the stuff in their space is going to clutter up certain parts of your life because there is a flow to the whole space. And you can't just, you know, you can't just like cut off your arm and pretend like you're still fully functional. You have to, you know, you have to address it. You have to look at it. You have to acknowledge it. You can't just, you know, pretend like nothing happened. And that's sort of how it works when you live with another person, right? Their Mm -hmm. energy is also going to be mirrored in this space and reflected in this space. Mm -hmm. And it's, like tainting the space, right? Mm -hmm. Yours and theirs. And so when there's conflict, right? Like if you have a fight or something, right? That energetic frequency gets embedded into the space, right? Whether you're platonic or romantic, right? Those things, but romantic relationships, the vibration is higher. So- Oh, right. Good. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's you, really sacred intention for each other there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, yes, you definitely do want to go about it the right way mm-hmm. because, um, when we bulldog on people mm-hmm. for it, then that's, that's a new, that's just a new trauma, um, mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, everything that we've done so far has been with, uh, very gentle permission, but I, but I'm also putting my foot down. Hey, you know, well, sometimes you have to, because they, the funny thing is he was helping me out with my own house and I was, you know, clearing up, cleaning. Um, I moved into a rental unit, um, that was, you know, rented for like 10 years. And then they moved out. I moved in and it's like, Oh, let's, and that's when, when he came into my life, he's like helping me make it so nice. And then move into his house, like, okay, where is that person who's been helping me with redecorating? And I'm like, all of a sudden there was no motivation. You know, it's like, so I, I really understand uh, yeah. everything that you that's... talked about here. And of course, I, I, I'm, uh, I also have my own clutter. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm cluttered by nature. I'm <laughs> if, if, if the, the DISE, um, I understood I'm a high eye and the high eyes um, are very cluttered, you know, we're all over the place like that. And when I read that, oh my God, so much forgiveness for not having to have everything in order. But anyway, um, we've gone over and um, is there <laughs> anything that uh, you want to, you know, do you want to summarize it? Do you want to give final words? I know you've said so much, you've shared uh, generously about your life. Um, goodness, download the Declutter Your Method, you know, method, declutteryourmindset.com um, and, and, and get yourself started. I, I mean, people, I'm the person people hire when they are right where you are. So like you said, you need to put your foot down. And, and so if you are in that place, by all means, connect with me. Um, you can book a call with me at peaceandprosperityalignment.com. I'm here to help with your office space. Nice. Thank you so much. So I hope you guys heard Crystal's story from the abuse, from being in the in that dysfunctional upbringing into having her piece of heaven uh with her stepmother you know the saints um and even though you're surrounded by sinners you are not (laughs) i hope you take that away that you can make a choice to make your life better and take it back and really empower yourself for the better and that your past doesn't define you. Um, you are not limited by your past. 
actually the past from what I hear from your story is like it's like an arrow that pulled you to where uh, you need to be it does look slow and excruciating at times this journey to yourself back to yourself back to your soul but it's so freaking worth it when you have a glimpse of your soul and that, that you are more than you've thought possible that's the point that you can really turn things around and really fight for what you are meant to do in this world so thank you so much crystal for being here today i hope you enjoyed this episode of soul power to the people podcast with tess Vergara. we can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction take back your mind Take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.